And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast Afternoon Edition brought to you by our good friends at the Holy Grail. Make sure if you are downtown, if you're down by the bank, stop in to the Holy Grail. Get yourself a drink, get yourself some food, maybe some uh, Reuben wontons. Always a favorite of uh, of Kelly. So uh, going to a Reds game, whatever it is, make sure you're stopping by the Holy Grail and supporting our longtime partners down on the banks. All right, let's get this show on the road. Special guest today. I know he's he's been busy. It's uh, it's recruiting season. All the uh, the TBT guys are coming into town. There's a lot going on on campus. So greatly appreciate him taking the time to uh, to chat with us for a little bit this afternoon. Welcome in the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats men's basketball program, Wes Miller. Hi, coach. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Chad? David, good I'm, to see you guys. Same here. We're doing great. Have you are you are you getting any sleep this July? Well, um, you know, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Does that does does that answer answer the question? Um, no, we we uh, we're sleeping when we can. It, it's I'm not complaining. It's that time in the summer for us when you just have so much stuff going on. You know, you just kind of hunker down, bat the hatches down, and, and go as hard as you can, knowing that in the next couple of weeks, things will slow down and we can catch our break in early August. How has uh, summer workouts? I'm sure we'll get into, you know, each individual guy here as we get going, but uh, what's the overall feel on summer workouts? How do you think uh, your second team at Cincinnati here is coming together so far? Yeah, so far so good. I think we're five weeks into like yeah. our summer program. We get eight weeks with them in the summertime per, per NCAA rules. Um, you know how it is. I, I think there's some things that I, that I really like. I, I think the, the roster, you know, really came together nicely. It makes, it just kind of makes more sense and how the pieces fit together, uh, than, than we felt a year ago, the returning guys is kind of, you know, how I, I think about this first, it's really nice to have a nucleus of guys that have a connection, you know, not, not just with each other, but with us as a staff, before we start, you know, because last year you're starting completely from scratch uh, when, you, when you start training in, in early June. Like we're, we're, you know, coming off of a season together. We've failed together a little bit. We've come up short together. So there's a certain type of connection you have when you've been through some adversity together. Um, those returning guys have had a great off season. You know, they started their off season a couple of weeks after we lost to Houston in the conference tournament. Um, so individually I'm pleased with the things they've done and I'm pleased with what they've done collectively and having those guys during this summer program is, it's just been nice to have that continuity. And again, it, it's not just continuity on the roster, it's continuity among the guys that played the, you know, significant minutes for us. Um, so it's nice to return all that kind of, all that experience. Dave. So just being your, I guess, second true off season how have things been different how have you kind of altered changed edited your process and, and you know where do you think things are at this point you know are they on schedule ahead of schedule from where you kind of envisioned them maybe three months ago six months ago however you kind of look at things in that regard well i'm going to correct you a little bit dave i our, uh, I wouldn't even call this my second off season. I don't know what last summer that's, was. That's true. Like that's true. <laughs> so this feels like my first off season. You know, you, you, yeah, I think I got here late April and 
Um, you know, it felt like you were just trying to catch up, you know, from the time I got here till the ball went up in November. This has felt like a, a real offseason, you know, and, you know, you retain guys from the previous team. You know, you have some things that you want to accomplish together as a group and some goals of why we're coming back and some purpose. And then you add to that group in the transfer portal with the guys that we recruited. So it, it does feel like the first real offseason, you know, in, in terms of, you know, gauging where are we, this probably isn't the time of the year that I sit there and go, okay, did we hit this mark? Um, you know, I, I do do a lot of reflecting and we certainly have goals year to year and it each, I guess there's different points in college basketball guys. Y'all know this. There's, you know, there's the postseason like spring time, you know, you have your training session, then then the guys get a little break in May, you have your summer eight weeks, then you have your fall preseason and, you know, late August and September. And then you have your preseason practice late September through October. And then you start playing games. And I think it, at the end of each of those segments, you know, you really try to sit back as a coach and go, okay, where, where are we? You know, we had our goals of what we wanted to accomplish during that segment. Where are we? And you evaluate it. We're in the middle of that summer thing now. So for me to say, I, I don't know where we are. I can tell you where my mindset is, Dave. And that's on like getting better today. Like, I, like that's it. Like, I just want us to get better and maximize what we can do as a team, as a program, as a staff, as individuals right now today. And if we can obsess with that mindset right now today and then wake up and do it again tomorrow, and then we can do that for the next two and a half, three weeks, you know, now we can look back after we completed that summer session and go, okay, where, where are we at? Um, so I'm not totally dodging your question. I like the way they're working at it. Um, I, I like the way the teams come together. We certainly have a lot more offensive firepower, you know, uh, you know, a, across the board. And that's not just the guys we added. It's guys that returned that have gotten better. And then we added some guys that can give us some different dimensions. Um, so, so there's some things that I really like, but it's, it's July. we got a long way to go and, we got to kind of sustain that approach that we've had here the first four or five weeks. Take You mentioned that take us as much as you can into when you say getting better today, what is like one or two things that is super important to you right now in July that you're emphasizing getting better at? Well, you know, the, the first thing is just the approach and the mindset, you know, um, you know, the individual. So like coming in here, every single day walking through this building, you know, to take care of the responsibility that's in front of you. And, you know, I always say like the a beautiful thing about being a student athlete in college that's different about where we are in life or beyond that is the, they only have two real responsibilities. And that is whatever they have academically and whatever they have in terms of their, their athletic training. So whatever they have today, I want them to have a mindset to come in and just crush it, just destroy it. So, what you know, that's a, a session with Coach Rayfeld in our strength conditioning program. If that's a, a class or a, an academic session, you know, you know, here on campus or in the Lindler Center. And then if it's practice or their extra shooting that they're doing on the side with our graduate assistants, like whatever that is, it's a mindset that we're going to attack it and we're going to maximize what we can get out of each one of those things today. Like that's, that's the mindset, the mentality, the foundation that we're trying to build for how we work. And I want to be obsessed about that. Like, I don't want to have a bad day. I don't want to have a bad weight session. I don't want to have a bad practice. I don't want to miss an extra shooting session. Like, 
I want us to maximize each of those things. Um, and I think if we can just focus on those little details, again, you can look up after eight weeks and go, okay, we might've done something. So again, I, that might not be like the fun answer for the podcast guys, but that is really how we're trying to approach it. When you got the job, you asked around on what you should do in terms of your strength and conditioning coach. You just mentioned Mike Rayfelt. You were told by a lot of people that Mike Rayfelt was the best in the business. Uh, now you're getting that full first off season, getting to see Mike and, and how he handles things. What's been your your overall assessment of uh, your new right hand man, essentially? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, Sage Talentino comes in seven footer, you know, skilled, um, great young man. I think he's going to be a good player here. And he's he's really worked hard um, in the time he's been here. But in, in a couple months of working with Mike Rayfeld, he's gained almost 30 pounds. And you, you know he has a lean lean frame. You know he's never trained like this. And one of the biggest things that that we told you know Mike with Sage coming to the doors, we we got to get him where he can physically handle the rigors of college basketball every single day. He's going to have to put mass on. He's going to have to do that and still be able to move. Um, and you know the guy's already almost gained thirty pounds. You know we're in July. That that's just one example of what Mike Rayfeld brings. Right. And and I say that and Sage is move, still moving well, still getting off the floor well, still running well. And he's handling our summer practices better than I think we as a staff thought he would at this point. And I, and I give Sage credit first because he's doing the work, but then you give Mike credit because Mike knows uh, how to point those kids in the right direction and get the most out of them. He, he's phenomenal, Chad. I, I, I would say I'd put him up against any strength conditioning coach, or performance coach in all of basketball, not just college basketball. I'll put him against anybody. Now, let's not let this thing go viral because I don't want everybody in the world <laughs> coming after him. But uh, he is—he's phenomenal. It's not just—it's not just that he understands how to train, and I, I, I do. I think there's probably other guys out there that really know how to train, um, and he does. He knows the right things to do to get results. It's also that he understands how to coach and how to relate and how to maximize what those guys are doing. I say this about him all the time in recruiting. He, he's not just a guy you show up and you do your workout. He's a guy that's with you every hour of your day. You know, He's involved right. in their life because he's also in charge of the way that they eat, the way that they recover, the way that they sleep, along with Bob Mangine, our trainer. And those two guys, like they live it just like we're living it as, as, as coaches. And so the value of that's greater than anything you can judge just by going and watching a, a, a strength conditioning workout. So I've been really, really pleased with, with Mike and with Bob. I, I don't know if I told you this. Uh, Danny Hurley found me in April, and he came up and he said, you told Wes how good he was, didn't you? I'm sorry, Danny. <laughs> he, he was not happy still with losing Mike. And you did tell me that. And – and, and, and Chad, you've told me a lot of stuff and most of it's not true, but that part has been true. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, but you were, you were, you were dead on about Mike Rafe, but as were a lot of people. And, uh, I'll give, I'll give Mick Cronin a lot of credit as well, because, you know, he was adamant about the, the type of, uh, of, of, of coach Mike was for him. And that, that moved me a lot when, when he told me that. All right, let's get into, uh, you got any, one more before we get into player stuff, Dave? Um, it's kind of a, a player one, but I was just going to say, like, we put the roster together with several new additions. When you were formulating that plan 
in the offseason? Obviously, you want best basketball players you can get, but were there specific characteristics or specific, specific traits you were looking for that you felt needed to be added to the returning players to kind of make the whole team a better product as a whole? Yeah, I mean, I, I think offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly you know, especially in the spring, you're you know, you're doing that in your recruiting class in the fall, right? You're trying to add pieces that make sense. Like the, the it's like you know, constructing a roster is like putting the puzzle together. The pieces have to fit together. Um, so you know, we knew right away when we got here. You know, we need we need length. Um, and athleticism and positional versatility and positional size on the perimeter. You could, you could look at our team, you know, walking through the hallway and, and probably figure that out. And so you, you, you look at that and that, that's why you, you add Dan Skillings and Josh Reed. I mean, they, they are, that's what they bring. And then you want to make sure that everybody you add fits your values and fits your culture and the style that you're going to play. So, I mean, hopefully that's any kid you bring into your program, but, we, we tried to address that right away. And then we need front court depth because, you know, you're going to graduate Hayden Koval and Abdul Adu. So, you know, they're, they're sage, right? So you see us doing that in the fall. Um, it's not rocket science. I mean, it, it, there really is a process to it. And then I think even more so now in college basketball in the spring, you know, you, you know exactly kind of some things that you have to add and you're going to go out and attack some of those, those, those things. Right. And so w- one thing that we felt uh, with the team that we had in place when we went to recruit in the transfer portal, you know, we needed to add some ball handling and, and there's Rob Fennessy and some steady play at point guard. Uh, you felt like you needed to add some scoring, you know, and, and somebody you could run action to, and it was a big threat to score. And, and, you know, there's where Landers Nolly comes into play, right. As an elite, elite, offensive weapon who also has that positional size and versatility on the perimeter. And then you needed to continue to add uh, front court depth and somebody that could step in and play right away. And there's Kalua Zekpe. So, I mean, yeah, that is kind of the, the in, in a simple way, the step-by-step process to, to how we thought about recruiting this spring. All right, let's start in the backcourt and we'll, we'll start with your leading scorer from last year, David DeJulius. He is, uh, he is elected to take his super senior year. Uh, what have you seen from Dave this offseason? Uh, I know from what I've seen of him, he's he looks like he's got kind of that dog back in him. Like his competitiveness is back. Um, he seems confident in himself and, and seems to be ready to go. Well, I'm going to correct you too, Chad. I mean, I, he's always had that dog in him, so I've been coaching him. And, and I, last and summer I'm, he was still figuring things out, I think. Don't like, get sensitive. Getting, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come no, at I'm, you. You're going to talk no, about that's my fine. guy. I'm, I'm uh, just saying, last summer, Dave, I thought hey, he was, say, he was finding himself. He was rediscovering that dog. He, he, walks, he walks back a lot of stuff. That's not walking back. I said what I said. <laughs> um, no, he's – since the day I got here, I've, I've been so impressed with Dave's maturity, um, his work ethic, and that competitive fire, you know, that you, you, you're mentioning, you know. Um and it's only improved to me since the time I started coaching him, you know, so through you the agree. season. And then <laughs> this this off season, he's approached it like a professional. I, I, and that's probably the best compliment I could give a college player. 
he takes care of his body. He eats clean. He rests. Uh, he works out probably more times a day than I'd want him to. I mean, he's lives in here, um, but he does it in an intelligent way because he's, you know, taking care of his body in a way that he can handle it physically. And you, you think sometimes that somebody at his size, you know, how much can they really improve coming off an all-league year? He's really improved. Um, but it's not a secret because it's not just how he approaches his training, but how he approaches his, you know, uh, his life off the floor as well. So uh, he's been phenomenal. I think he's, you know, grown even more as a young man, and he'll have a lot of leadership responsibility on this team. He's, he's earned that. So um, I've been pretty pleased with David to date. Mike Adams-Woods returns in the backcourt as well. Started a bunch of games for you last year. He's an experienced guy. Um, seems like he's having a really good offseason as well. He seems to be pretty dialed in right now. Same thing. And, and again, I, I kind of started like this. That returning nucleus, they've, they've been great. Uh, you know, we, we call Micah Shuey. Um, it's almost hard to call him Micah anymore because everybody calls him Shuey, but he has Shuey tattooed on his arm. If anybody's ever noticed yeah. that, but, um, but no, Shuey's it's been like Dave, you know, you just seen a, a maturity, you know, that's grown within him in terms of his approach and, you know, how he handles himself and how consistent he is about taking care of his business, which is an area I challenged him a lot when I got here a year ago. And, I mean, physically, he looks better. He shot the ball really well here uh, in our summer stuff to date. Um, he looks stronger with the ball. He's finishing better, you know, and continuing to develop defensively. So, again, same thing. Pleased with Shuey to this to date as well. How's he handled the challenge of, of new competition coming in? Of it, we'll get to Rob in just a second, but of, of having another guy in that room that's you know, coming for is here for minutes. Like Rob Fennessy didn't transfer to Cincinnati to sit the bench. Right. How has Shuey handled that? Yeah. You know, guys, I don't, it's not, it's not like a quarterback in football, right. Where you can only play, you know? And so I don't think from my perspective as a head coach, I've I've never dealt with this. I mean, I'm 11 years as a head coach. I've never dealt with on any good team I've coached. I've never dealt with anybody having some competition, within a position because in basketball, you know, the way the game is played now and the, the way that we recruit, you can put the best players on the floor. I mean, some of the best teams in college basketball in the last 10 years have started two or three point guards, you know? So I don't think that from my perspective as a head coach or from our staff's perspective or our players perspective that, that, that Shuey's sitting around going, it's me or, 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 yeah. or, or another player on our team. I, in fact, if that was the case, I'd correct it quickly because it's not that. You know, you're talking about, you know, Shuey, uh, Rob, David, DeJulius. I mean, you could play all three of them at the same time if if they earn those minutes together. And the way that we're going to play, everybody's going to be able to kind of play their own game. They're going to have ball handling responsibilities, decision-making responsibilities, and that thing. So, I mean, I, I understand the question, but it, I don't think it applies, at, at least from my perspective. Yeah. I, I think I was talking more about like, does it, is it something that some guys take it as a challenge? Like, okay. Like, you know, I was a starter here. I played a bunch of minutes. Like, I think you'd have to ask Shuey, but I think from my perspective, yeah, you know, and from my conversations with Shuey when the season ended, you know, through now, 
he wants to win. <laughs> like yeah. his head is around winning and he, he feels like I came to Cincinnati because of what this program is and what it's been. And he wanted to be a part of it and want to be a part of the winning that's happened here over the years. And, you know, he's been very clear to me, like, I, we got to win here. I, I have to win here. And I think he knows that the more he improves and the better player he becomes, that gives our team a better chance. But I think that's where his mindset is. And I think that's that maturity that I speak about from that returning nucleus that's the vibe that I've gotten. And again, to go back to Dave's question, you know, like it's July. I'm not going to have a celebration that we've had a good vibe and a good approach. And we got to keep doing that day after day. But to date with with, with not just Dave or Shuey or whoever else, we're going to do a roster breakdown. They've all kind of been like that. Let's talk about Rob. Um, you wanted a little bit uh, more defense, a little toughness in that guard rotation. And, and Rob was one of the best defenders in the Big Ten through his career at Indiana. Uh, how did that come about? Obviously, Mike Roberts knew him from his time coaching at Indiana. Uh, I, I'm guessing Matty Mills probably worked him out a couple thousand hours uh, as a manager at Indiana at that point in time. Uh, it, it feels like that was a pretty comfortable one in terms of you you knew all the right information there. Yeah, I, you know, I think you look at this, at this spring recruiting cycles that we're going to have now in our sport and you're making quick decisions, as are the players, right? Coaches and players are making quick decisions because you're in a, such a limited amount of time from the time they go in the portal to the time they make a decision. Where, like, you take Dan or Josh, for example, we recruited those guys over six, seven months, you know, before a decision's made. Um, it's, it's, it could be weeks in the transfer portal. When you have uh, guys on your staff that have coached kids and and you know mike had coached rob for two years in indiana matt miller um who's in an administrative role here was a was a manager on those teams for four years with rob or three or four years with rob you know it, you feel like you have some real information that you might not be able to get with others um that you, you know maybe don't have that kind of familiarity so listen i've watched rob play over the years when when mike was an assistant at indiana i watched almost every game um, and so I, I feel like I've had a really good feel for who he was as a player. Uh, he is an elite defensive player. It's proven in his career. He's a reliable point guard. Um, I, I think he has a little more to offer offensively night in, night out than maybe what he did night in and night out over the last year or so. Um, I, I, he's had some great moments offensively, some big games, hit some big shots in his career, some game winners. Um, but I think given the opportunity and given the freedom, I think there's some things that he can maybe show us on a night in, night out basis that maybe he wasn't able to show there. And he's looked pretty good so far in our summer practices. Let's let's move to the wing. And and with those three guards, all of them can play the one. They can play off the ball. You, you've got a lot of versatility there, as you mentioned. So that's good. Yeah. And, and we're going to we're going to let them when they're in the game together. We're going to let any, you know all of them push. It's not like we have to define you're the guy bringing it up or you're not. We're going to let them be themselves. Dave, you want to you want to ask any wing questions? Okay, I'll handle it. <laughs> you're you're muted, so we can't hear you. <laughs> no, sorry, you, you keep uh, crushing this segment. Okay, uh, let's go with John Newman, your starter at the three for pretty much the entire season last year. He's got his second year in the system. Um, the, the type of glue guy that coaches love. Um, 
and it, it, it's unfortunate because it felt like every time last year he was really starting to put it together, something would pop up and an ankle sprain or, you know, a, a knee. Um, you got to feel pretty good about where John is going into this, his super senior season. Yeah. It's, it's similar to Dave and Chewy. I mean, the off season approach, I've been really pleased with it. And it's, it's a little bit like, like me, um, you know, kind of coming into the job, he, you know, we didn't have an off season last year at all. He, I didn't, he didn't. So right. to be able to now have a, a real off season, um, like I think, I think that's really benefited him, you know, with all the transition he was going through last year. Uh, you know, and you're right last year when he, when he was hurt, it really affected our team. Right. Um, and part of it is because of who he is as a player and what he brings to a team. He does so many of the intangible things. He's such a great defender. He does a lot of little things offensively that don't show up on a stat sheet. Um, but we also didn't have anybody behind him that could bring those same dynamics. So when he was out, you know, now we're playing and we're really small in the perimeter. We don't have that big athletic, uh, you know, traditional, you know, big guard or small forward out on the floor. Um, so I, two things. One, John's really improved. Um, I'm, I'm pleased with his approach and his leadership. And now there's a handful of other guys that you have some of those attributes as well. And I, I think that bodes well for him and our team. Uh, Jeremiah Davenport. Local guy, um, played a lot at the four next year next to John. Um, is there potential for him to have a little bit more? You talked about positional versatility this year. Um, where What is his outlook and how excited is he? I, I've heard him a couple times. The guy, he was playing against um, Landers Nolly in open gym. And, you know, Landers was having a big game. And Jeremiah's guarding him and running down the court after he made a shot going, that's what we were missing last year. We needed to like, he's another one like Shuey. He, he seems to me this summer, he's just like, look, man, I don't care where I play. I don't care what my role is. Let's just, I, we need to win. Yeah. I, again, it's a consistent theme from that returning group. And, you know, Jeremiah wants to win. I mean, anybody that's ever been around him knows he's a winner. He's won everywhere he's been and, you know, he's in a significant he's been in a significant role here at, at Cincinnati the last two years and hasn't gotten the kind of results as a team. And I think he takes that personally like other guys do. And it, it's about winning. Um, you know, he wants to improve and he's done a nice job of getting leaner so he can move a little bit better defensively and have the ability to guard multiple positions. I think that's something that I've challenged him on and you know, I think he, he knows he has to take some steps there. Um, and I, I think he's done a nice job with Coach Rayfeld to date. And we're certainly working on those things in practice. Um, you know, I think I probably have a little bit better understanding of who he is as a player at this point in the summer than I did at this point last year. So trying to kind of put him in the right places to even be more effective um, and play more to his strengths, I think we can, we can do some of those things. Um, but, I, you know, everybody knows – how significant of a player Jeremiah is. Uh, I want him to improve. He wants to improve. And just like we talked about earlier, he just wants to really win. And I think he can be a big part of winning this year. Jared Hensley. Um, but people don't really know this because it hasn't been talked about much, but he broke his hand during the season last year, didn't tell anybody. <laughs> but it ended up being a blessing, right? Because in the offseason, he, he had to practice one-handed shooting with the shooting hand and and you can tell this story better than me 
in some ways, I guess it it improved his shot because when I've seen him shooting this summer, it looks like a completely different animal with the the regularity that the ball goes in. Yeah, I mean, he told us he broke I me. Mean, I mean, we knew he broke his wrist, but you don't publicize that because if somebody's well, he playing, told me he didn't tell anybody. He said he was quiet about it. He didn't want anybody to find out. Make him miss any games. Maybe, maybe at some point we knew at the end of the year he was playing <laughs> right. broken wrist, but you don't publicize that because you don't want somebody to take a shot at you, you know, knowing that you have that kind of an injury on, yeah. you know, on an opposing team. So, um, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit for his toughness there. Um, and, and he played well down the stretch of our season, you know, even dis- despite the injury. And I, I thought coming off of the end of the year, the, even though we didn't perform great as a team, in the win-loss, you know, category, I thought Jared having some good individual moments really helped his confidence. So I think kind of propelled him into this offseason just to, to be a more confident player, which is really important because he's always had quite a bit of ability. Um, he's really continued to, to improve his body. I, I said this, I think, multiple times. I don't know if I've ever had somebody from the day that they came to college until now ever work harder or be more committed than – uh, than Jared has been. I've had some guys that maybe as they were get, got older got like that, but he's just had an elite work ethic from the day I've got him. And, and you mentioned the wrist. He had to have surgery right when the season ended. And it's like anything. You know, it, sometimes it, it feels like it's a, a setback, but probably a blessing now looking back on it for Jared because Jared has to be in the gym working every day. And when he, he had his right wrist, you know, in a splint, he's in there shooting one-handed. And he did it every single day, multiple times a day for six weeks, six, eight weeks. And now he's completely transformed his jump shot. Uh, he has a totally different rhythm. He has a better release. He, his misses are so much smaller. He's making a lot more of them. And you know he's just going to kind of keep working at it. So his jump shot has looked like it's really improved here this off season, And I think it'll continue to do that. So it's Sometimes, you know, setbacks like that can be can be hidden blessings. Landers Nolly joins the program from Memphis. He has been uh, ACC first team all freshman. He has been American Athletic Conference first team all conference. He's a guy that's really talented. He is a guy that really knows how to score the basketball. How has he uh, adjusted and acclimated himself into the program? I know from watching him uh, in some open gyms, that is a competitive dude. He's done well. I, I've, I've enjoyed him. Um, he's he's gotten he's, he's really come in and started to build relationships with his teammates. Um, and that that was important to me, especially because we they played against played each him. other. You know? <laughs> um, and, and I think I give our returning guys a lot of credit for embracing him. And then I give him a lot of credit for coming in, you know, coming in with a humble approach and a, a workman like approach. And he's been a thrill. You know, I've said this a lot. The coaches asked about him a lot on the road. We've been recruiting. And I I tell you what, he he comes in with a lunch pail every day. He works. He's really coachable. Uh, We played against him. So we've always known how well he could shoot the ball and kind of attack a closeout. The, The one thing that's really been evident to us as a coaching staff is he's really good with the ball in his hands. You know, you can put him in a ball screen and he's, big guard and can make the right plays in the ball screen. Um, he's good with the ball in the open floor. He makes the, the simple play, but the right play. Um, and he can finish it around the basket. So 
I, I think he's shown some things that maybe surprised us a little bit, uh, but his, his to, to date at least, but his approach, um, his attitude, his, the, 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 the way that he's, you know, kind of assimilated within our team, you know, that's been stuff that's been really positive to date. Josh Reed uh, got here early. We'll get to Dan in just a second since uh, they don't like to graduate high school until almost August in uh, on the East Coast. Uh, but Josh Reed uh, has looked like, when I've seen him, has looked like a college player. He, he doesn't look like a freshman that is uh, adjusting to college. And I'm sure there's plenty of that that he has to do. But at least physically and his confidence in the way he plays, he seems like he's uh, he's adjusted well to that first couple weeks of college life. Yeah, he he's he's going to be really good, guys. He uh, he's really intelligent as a player, um, and human. But, you know, you, smarter you, you than coach. me. What's that? He said he's smarter than me, and he's seven eighteen. <laughs> it's not difficult. Not a high bar you to just, clear. You just threw a lot lob today. <laughs> to come off the of mute and dunk that one. Um, but no, he, he's a really intelligent player, and I, I mean that in the sense that you know you're coaching new concepts to, to, you know, even if somebody comes in and has been coached really well. And, yeah. um, you know, Josh's high school coach, Sharman White's one of the, you know, most well-known high school coaches in the country, you know, at Pace Academy. And he's, you know, he just coached the under 17 US, USA national team. I mean, he's a well-renowned coach and a terrific high school coach. So, you know, Josh has been coached, but you're, even when you're introducing new concepts with new terminology, it takes young players some time and, and it's not like we're coaching down to the, the freshman level. We're, you know, we're, we're getting them to kind of raise up. So we're not coaching to the, to the, the back of the class type of thing. Um, when you say something to Josh Reed and explain it to him, he can listen to it and go out and do it right away. And that's a really unique thing for a freshman in summer practice from my experience. So I, I've been really impressed with his feel and his intelligence. Um, he's really quietly competitive. You know, if you get around him to interview him or if you don't know him well, he, he, you know, you, sometimes you think he's pretty quiet and reserved, but there's a fire burning in there. And so he's been really competitive in our practices. And, you know, the positional versatility is so, so fun with him because he's got the body that he can defend bigger guys, but he's athletic enough to get out and defend smaller guys and, he can kind of do it all offensively. He can kind of, you know, he's a guy that can pass, dribble, and shoot and knows how to play. Um, so, you know, he's going to be a great player here and has done a nice job so far this summer. Dan Skillings got here a little bit late, like I jokingly said before, because they 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 don't graduate high school until like the middle of June on the East Coast. So uh, he didn't get here, what, probably two or three weeks behind the other guys. How has he been able to catch up, even though, you know, everybody else has had a head start? And – I mean, this is a kid that hasn't played a ton of basketball or organized basketball, at least starting as a junior. How is he, uh, how's he getting up to speed? It's like Josh. I mean, it's been impressive, you know, it's in this, in the same way. I mean, he's just eager, you know, listens coachable and there's a lot of ability there, right? He's, you know, he, he's, it's so funny because you watched, you watched him with his, you know, high school team at Roman Catholic or last summer with his AU team, Philly pride. And he's physically pretty imposing, you know, at the guard spot at six, six and seven, you know, long wingspan. And then he shows up for college practice and he's, you know, it, he hasn't been training with the other guys. And 
he looks like a high school player. He's thin, you know, <laughs> and right. like, and, uh, but his body's alive. It's active. Um, he's got just a knack for getting around the ball. Um, and he's, he, like you said, he started a couple weeks late. So there's some things that he has to kind of figure out that even the other freshmen were taught. Uh, but, you know, as a coach, that doesn't bother you. He, he's, he's been good, um, just like Josh. I mean, I've been, been impressed with his ability to pick up concepts, and he's going to be a really good player here. The one thing that jumped out the most at me is kind of like uh, what surprises you about Dan, really good on the offensive glass, which you don't think of for a guy that's, that's you know, thin and long and more of a scoring wing. But you mentioned nose for the ball. That's not just putting the ball in the basket. He really has a feel for going to find the ball in the glass offensively. And, and he's shown that so far in our summer practice for sure. Uh, it was the first thing I noticed uh, the first time I saw him play in recruiting. Uh, he got three offensive rebounds in like five possessions, and it made me want to watch more. And then you see, okay, he can shoot the basketball, and he's, you know, he can drive it, and he finishes and gets his hands on a lot. I mean, you know, you start to see some of the other things that get you excited, but the, the way he caught my attention was going to the offensive board, and he's done a nice job of that in our summer practice already too. Uh, two returning big guys, Victor Lockin, Odie Aguama. Um, you talked about Sage a little bit. How do you see this situation at the five shaking out? Because there's, you add in Kalu, um, you've got bodies, but it, you know, is Kalu really a five? Does he play more four? Like, it, it, how how in your brain are you seeing this develop as you go through the summer? Well, I, I think with with all four of those guys, it, it's it's kind of goes back to the question you asked about guard play. I mean. You know, it, it, they're not competing necessarily with each other. They're competing with themselves, right? Like, how effective can they be? Um, how much can they improve? And if if the the best two players to put in the game are two of those guys, then we'll play with two of them at the same time. You know, if if it's if the if it's another way. So I think we have a roster now that we can be really versatile in our lineups to make sure that the guys that earn the time are the guys that get on the floor together. And I think we've, you know, tried to start the process of putting in an offensive system that allows us to do that and, and have some uh, lineup versatility per se. So I, I don't think it's like, it's not, it's not like, again, it's not football. It's not a quarterback competition. It's hard to have multiple quarterbacks. It's not like that in basketball. And I, I think, you know, Hey, listen, at times we tried to play Hayden and duel together last year. That's really difficult because they're both centers. Um, you know, I think all four of the guys we have now have the physical ability to guard multiple positions. And if they can do that and then they excel in other areas, then we can play them together and do it well. Um, so I, I've been pleased with all four of their approaches. I mean, they're all four very different, you know, I mean, and, and I don't know. Do you want to go through each one? Since yeah, we, we can go through each one real quick. We're getting close to your time limit. I just, you know. It, I don't so, so can I just send this to everybody that wants like a roster breakdown? Yeah. The rest of the year. I'm just going to say. I'll send you a link. Dad's podcast. Yeah, um, we'd be happy for you to push this out to. Yeah, so like Odie, um, like I thought offensively last year, I mean, as the year went on, he got better and better and better. And I think that spoke to his commitment to working on his game outside of practice. Um, I, there was times where we were much better in the game offensively when he was in the game. Um, and so I, I, he's kind of continued that 
you know, through this offseason. So I've been really pleased with his approach. Uh, my challenge to Odie is to continue to do that, and he's got to really improve defensively so he can guard multiple positions. So, he, you know, he's got to do a better job when he's guarding a true bit, true center, but he's also got the athleticism. He In length, he should be able to get out there and guard guards and switch on ball screens and guard those smaller fours and that type of thing. So I think that's going to be really important to, to see him continue to work on. But he's had a great summer so far. I uh, talked about Sage already gaining weight and yeah. being able to withstand the rigors of practice in the summer, you know, better than we thought. We, we know about his skill, and he's a terrific young man. Um, you know, Vic, I think, is – it's so interesting to me because his improvement this off season could have a humongous impact on this team. Um, you know, he, he's, he's athletic. He can, he has the ability to really guard multiple different positions. He's smart. He's skilled. Um, I think we can use him in both the four and the five type of spot, the way that we play. Um, you want to be able to throw him the ball, uh, you know, consistently on the on the block to go score and throw it to him on the perimeter to make plays for our team. And he's had a great offseason. I mean, his body started to really change. He's changed his shot and really worked on that. So, you know, I'm excited about what he's done to this point in the offseason. And we got to we want him to continue to develop, but he'll be a really important piece to our team. And then Kalua Zekpe gives us that stability, you know, that four years of college basketball a ton of success and uh, conference USA, which is a league that I have a lot of respect for. Um, I, I think he has the ability to be an elite rebounder and I'm going to push him to do that. Um, I think he's a guy that you can throw it to that can score a basket and be effective in a role, but he's also a guy that can make plays with the ball in his hands. And we'll put him in some of that point forward type of role at times to see if he can kind of create some offense for us. So I think they're all four very different, but I think they all have the ability to be versatile and play with one another uh, if, if they earn that, I'm going to, I'm going to warn you. I saw Kalu walk through the weight room during squad fest for the football team. And a couple of those football coaches gave, gave him a kind of a, who's that? So keep an eye on fickle. They might, they might come sniffing on Kalu. <laughs> well, I, I tried, I tried to get sauce Gardner to come play for me every time I saw him in the hallway last year and it, it didn't work. So I don't, I don't think the football coaches have any chance. But I'm I'm a, since they let me try all year, I'm 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 sure they can try. But Kalu Kalu's a terrific athlete. The way he moves and hits at his size, I mean, it's going to be impactful for us on the basketball court. If I was a football coach, I'd be recruiting his butt too. And you guys know he grew up in the state of Georgia. Yeah. So if you don't think in Atlanta, if you don't think that the, all the football coaches at his high school were trying to do that and weren't able to do it, he's been he's been through that before. So he's a basketball guy. He loves the game. Uh, did you watch Evan Prater when he was in high school? Did you ever get to see him? I did not. He could hoop. Like he was, he was a Mac A10 level player and like coming out of high school. So that's the one you'll want to keep your eye on going forward. Prater could play a little bit. Sounds like I need to, I need to go into coach Pickle's office and start recruiting there first, huh? <laughs> the, the, the funny thing is you, you joked about versatility now. Like you could almost go like a like your order and a, a value meal at a drive-through, small, medium, and large, with with how you guys play this year, right? And and are we gonna yeah. see the press? You wanted to press last year, didn't really <laughs> necessarily fit. Is it is it more of a fit for what you have now? I, I I certainly think we have a roster that can do that, and so we'll we're gonna put it in and and we'll see how it looks as we go through the preseason. Um, you know, I. I 
I've always liked being aggressive on both ends of the floor, and I think we'll have a chance to be more aggressive defensively this year. Um, in terms of how lineups are going to look, I, it's July. The, yeah. the way that these I'm guys – I'm not saying what guys, specific yeah, guys. Yeah, but I mean, but... whether we play smaller or bigger or mix it, it'll have more to do with, you know, who's, who's earned that, you know, how to get the best guys on the floor, the best combinations on the floor. And we'll, t- we'll you know, try all that stuff and give all that stuff an opportunity. And then we roll out to play games. We're going to try to put – you know, I think it's really simple with us. So we're going to try to put the, the people on the floor and the lineups on the floor that give us the best chance to win. And so what what that looks like in November and December, we don't know yet. But as you mentioned, there's a lot of different possibilities. We got a C.J. Anthony fan in the chat. Give us a little couple a minute on C.J. Anthony. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm, I was trying to think, Did you, is, you didn't ask about any – there's somebody we didn't ask about. Um, C.J., yeah, I wouldn't bypass him, you know. Um, he Like, he's a – you know, he's a non-scholarship player in Cincinnati right now, but he's a Division One scholarship player. He had Division One yeah. offers coming out of high school. So you, the term walk-on doesn't apply to C.J. Anthony. I mean, if you ask the players on our team that entered our program, I bet they don't even know that he's not on scholarship. And I say that because he, he's just one of the guys, and, and not just in how he's treated, but in how he plays. Um, you know, I, when I took – we recruited C.J., um, part of it was I've always wanted to have uh, enough ball handling and point guard play on our roster. And I think he's good enough to play significant minutes here at Cincinnati. I've challenged him to really work on his game this offseason and his decision-making and his skill. He's done that. He is so much better in our practices now, taking care of the ball and making decisions than he was shoot at the end of the season last year. He's still got to slow down a little bit and make better decisions with the ball. Um, but but I think he can I think he's gonna play minutes here at some point and meaningful minutes here at Cincinnati at some point because of his work ethic and his ability. The one thing he probably hasn't had a chance to really show people, he can really shoot the basketball. I know people up in Columbus that watched him in high school know that. He's a terrific all time leading shooter. scorer in Columbus. Yeah, he's a terrific shooter and he works at it every day. Uh I I think we've started to kind of establish and I say we because it's our players first, have established a culture that if you're in this program, you're going to work at it every day. And uh, so they're all like that. But CJ's right in there with all of them. And, you know, I've, I've been impressed with them so far in the summer. I will say this to give him some love. He took, he took two charges in practice yesterday, and he dove on a loose ball that looked like a ball he couldn't get. And so I thought two of those three plays were two of the best hustle and effort plays we've had all summer. And I stopped and told the whole team that. And that tells you a little bit about kind of the, the, the kind of young man he is. Dave, anything for Coach before we let him go? Yeah, I want to know. You said you've been busy, but how is the golf game? <laughs> and as things slow down in August, when are we going to tee it up? Man. Dave's been talking about – Dave's been like, you got to bug him about when we're going to play golf. He said he would play golf with me. <laughs> I'd love to play. It, it's not going to be in the next couple of weeks, I can tell you that. But maybe in, in early August, Dave, we can get out there and tee it up. I, I, uh, I've played a, I played more this year than I this summer than I did last summer. That's for sure. Still haven't played quite a bit because we got so much going on. When I do play, how good of a golfer I am right now depends on what hole you watch me play or what I, shot you see me hit. I feel the same way. Like I'm a. I want to invent 15 whole golf courses because I feel like every time I get to the last three holes, no matter how good it was, it's just 
it goes totally off the rails. Yeah, Dave, I'm more clutch than you. I always play well down the stretch here now. <laughs> the the uh the tr- the truth of it is during the pandemic when I'm talking about when things really shut down, you know, I live near a golf course in, in Greensboro. And so when we couldn't do anything, you know, your players were home. You, we, I would go out and for a couple hours just to get outside, hit golf balls or go, you know, walk six or seven holes. I did it like daily. And I got to the point I could actually hit a golf ball consistently. And ever since then, I've just hit the golf ball like a basketball coach. Like I'm back to hitting it like a basketball coach. Like, I mean, I might, you know. The guy that gets to play four times a year or something. Yeah. I mean, I might, you know, play four or five holes and, you know, be one under, two under or something, and then play the next three holes and go double, triple, double. So I I play golf like a basketball coach. But when the money's on the line at the end, Dave, I want to be gambling against you because I'm pretty good on 16, 17, 18. Well, I mean, I'll – probably have built up such a lead that it won't matter <laughs> you know golf kind of it kind of saved you Wes, because i went to to la for vacation went to ucla for my official visit uh coach savino took me on the golf cart drove me around <laughs> showed me the wooden statue took me in the locker room at Pauly, took me in the the practice facility and you know i was i was ready to commit but the head coach was out playing golf <laughs> so I had to stick with my commitment to Cincinnati. The head coach kind of messed that one up. <laughs> so, so, so Coach Cronin was out there teeing it up, huh? He was, he was out getting around in with some boosters. We got, we got people and, uh, in the chat saying little caddy for us too. I mean, this can be a whole Bearcat Journal thing. <laughs> let's, let's make it an event. All right, man. I know you, uh, you have a ton going on, and uh, we greatly appreciate you taking some time to, uh, to chat with us. And uh, get back and, and get the team ready uh, for for the rest of the summer and, and get through these last couple of weeks. And uh, maybe I will see you on the wall at the Peach Jam next week at some point in time. Oh, I know. I know. I'll see you guys. And guys, I enjoy it as always. Uh, and I appreciate what you guys do covering our program. I mean that. So uh, and, and we'll you send do. you this. We'll send you this link. So if anybody asks you for a roster breakdown, you can just be like. Send it out. We appreciate you joining. I know our our fans know, but you know we can we get you, we get Coach Fickle, and I don't you know a lot of people that do what we do don't don't have that uh, ability. So we definitely appreciate when when you and other coaches are able to come and join us. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you guys. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you, Wes. You too. See you soon. Thanks, buddy. All right, there we go. That was Cincinnati head coach Wes Miller. He's a good. Almost, we got we got about fifty minutes there, forty five or what, fifty minutes exactly oh, yeah. on the dot. Can't ask for nothing better than that. And then for anybody that that had a question about where things stand with the roster or how guys are looking in the summer, Chad, can we get a summer update? I just got you a a player by player individual summer update. Not in the middle of the summer. I don't think I can do gonna, anything better than you're that. not going to get a a better one and a more accurate one, a more insightful one. I mean, it's it's single sourced, right? <laughs> From the guy that's calling the shots. Uh, there's your timestamp. If you're looking to sponsor and become part of the Bearcat Journal family, you can sponsor the timestamps. Uh, so hit me up if you have. I do. I do have an idea for a potential timestamp sponsor or a, okay. a sponsor in general that we will discuss uh, off air. Okay. So. 
Uh, when does the conference schedule usually get released? I think it's usually in early August, mid-August, somewhere in there. Um, I know last year, I think it was a little bit later just because they were so new to the job and kind of had to, you know, work some things out. Um, I, 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 August, mid-August, late August, somewhere in there, I guess would be my guess, but uh, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, any thoughts, thoughts from, from what you heard from coach Miller? Uh, you know, just like, you know, it, just a general excitement from the standpoint of that. I just think the roster fits so much better and that can be expected because, you know, we all understand what, when he came on and the first year is always hard. And with the transfer portal, you're kind of piecemealing, so many things together, but this group as a whole, whether it's the returners fitting better into their roles, the new guys, you know, what they can possibly bring. I just think there's, it just fits so much better. Uh, we've talked about it, you know, several times. I think the athleticism, the length, he, he mentioned it, just the overall traits of the entire roster is much more on a uh, upward tra trajectory, high level type group that you know we'll see what what comes of it when we get on the floor and in, in uh, november but you know just the overall composition and and the guys uh, i think should have everybody pretty excited about the possibility for this season you know what i'm excited about dave what's that having more than one wing on the roster yeah like if you look around college basketball it is a wings game now man like Having guys six five, six six, six seven that can put the ball in the basket and defend, like that is where the game has gone. And John Newman was their only wing last year. Like yeah. uh, to have Landers now, and to have um, Josh Reed and Dan Skillings, and and even Jeremiah um, as he reshapes and and prepares a little bit better uh, for what West expects of him. Like it feels so much better looking at this roster to go. You know what? We've got wings. Like, we got guys. We're not playing six three guards at the three anymore. Right. I hated that. Yeah, it just it didn't fit. It was, you know, and I think they've done a lot of work, and there has been a lot of turnover, but the parts, I think, just fit a lot better. They gave you a lot more options, like he was talking about with lineups, and it's not necessarily this guy or this guy. It, it can be, you know, if the matchup's, or in your favor or, you know, things like that. Like it can be this guy and this guy um, because, you know, we have There's versatility. We have versatility and then we're not hamstrung at the other spots where maybe before it was like, yeah, I'd love to play these guys together. But then we don't have what we need at the other three spots to, to supplement that and to make that part of it work. Right. Um, all right. That's uh that's an hour of basketball for the basketball junkies. And uh, it sounds like tomorrow night might be little birdie season with the TBT guys. So um, I'm looking forward to potentially getting down there tomorrow night and uh, watching a, a nice lengthy open gym session, which I won't have to rush home to do this podcast because we're doing it now. Man. So I'm excited about that. Living, living large. 
maybe maybe Friday we'll pop in with a surprise afternoon show or something <laughs> uh, if Aaron's not a dad by then. We, we got to figure that out. We got that coming. Yeah. Aaron's taking paternity leave at some point in time here. <laughs> Hope he doesn't do it like Justin. Justin took like two months. <laughs> not taking two months. Come on, man. Hate, hate, hate. I mean, you can, you can produce a show while giving a, a bottle. Yeah, for sure. For this show, it won't be bad. For the BBP, it might be uh, interesting. Make it work. Her first words are going to be, how are we? Oh, God. Oh, no. God. No, I wear headphones for that exact reason. <laughs> Good thing you don't have, like, a parakeet. Parakeet would just be walking around the house all day. How are we? You walk in the room. You walk in the room, and he and he says that it'd be it'd be cool if it was sit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, that'll do for basketball for now. Um, we'll we'll have plenty more as we 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 get through the summer and then get into uh, to August and uh, get school started and, and get these guys all together as they start working towards the season. But that was your. Uh, that was your summer West Miller update that you get here on Bearcat Journal. Uh, let's go, I guess, Dave. We'll go topical, right? We'll go first Big 12 media days today. Sure. And uh, what uh, what were your thoughts after watching new commis- commissioner Brett Yormark uh, speak to the media? Oh, let's see. I would probably boil it down into kind of like three maybe main takeaways. One, obviously, the thing that is on everybody's... Oh, thank you, Antonio, for the donation. Appreciate that. Thank you, Antonio. I would say, uh, obviously, the thing that's on everybody's mind is conference realignment. He's obviously not going to get into the specifics of it, but... You know, the, the, the quote that is, you know, going around on Twitter is open for business. And he later talked about how that means a lot of things, not just conference realignment. Um, you know, we talked about conversations, phone calls. I mean, the, the usual song and dance. But, I mean, I think that that just only exemplifies kind of what we heard, that they're not – that they're very, very comfortable – with what they have, but they are absolutely not uh, sitting on their hands. The level that that is being reciprocated by Pac-12 schools, um, who knows? You know, he made a comment of it has to be a value equation. It has to be additive and not dilutive. And I think that is, you know, could be 100% wrong. I think that is a direct comment of like if these schools don't want to join we don't really need anybody else um you know so i I think you know you kind of got what you expected to get from him in that regard um a lot of talk about where he sees the brand of the big 12 moving forward you know Talked about a national brand or a more national brand. Talked about a younger, hipper, cooler brand, and you know who knows exactly what he, what that means. But um, 
and just talked about, you know, a stronger social media presence. And I think just kind of coinciding with NIL, which he is also said he was a proponent of, but thinks there should be some guardrails and maybe some uniformity. I think he's just looking at it as this sport and obviously it's football media day. So the sport and college sports as a whole, I feel like he sees it as something that is going to be extremely transformative over the next say decade. And how does he, from a branding perspective, from a sponsorship perspective, how does he and his vision align to moving it in that direction and then not just being, you know, the same old stuff that we see on a daily basis. Like, Again, I don't know what that means. I don't know if any of us knows what that means. I mean, the guy's done major, major sponsorship and branding deals, so I'm sure he's got an idea, but it's it's just interesting to hear or to see him and see where that ends up going. I'm trying to scroll through some, some tweets here. Um, Do you think we'll see any integration, though, of his relationships with the music industry in that regard? Is that... I don't. Yeah, I mean – I would hope so. I mean, you you have those connections and um, things things like that. I mean, I think he is going to do anything he can to build the brand. You talked about expanded and new revenue streams and the media. The whole media partner platform right. is an evolving thing. I mean, we only. I mean, we don't only, but. We think about it from a TV standpoint, Mm -hmm. but like at some point the streaming thing is like the streaming thing has started with the NFL, right? With the Thursday night package on prime. Like at some point that's going to come into college sports. It is already with ESPN plus, but I don't, I'm not sure I look at it the same way because that's ESPN just putting other content on their own streaming platform. It's not, you know, Apple or Netflix or something like that coming in and right. truly buying a portion of the media package. But that's coming. Yeah. Like, are, is the Big Ten, because they're at first, are they going to be the first ones to kind of jump into that round? I can't see that. Or is the Big Ten or the Big 12, Pac-12, I don't know what I mean. Somebody's going to be the first. Well, I mean, and if you're looking for ways to make additional money outside of just the TV contract, the TV media contract, right? I would think that there would be with with somebody who had potentially like a an Amazon or a an Apple type platform that there may be additional waves of revenue that you can tap into if you were to go that route. Right. I mean, he did have one comment that I thought was super interesting based on his background NIL and kind of where some people see this the landscape going. He talks about what this college force looks like look like in five years. And he sees more commercialization and conferences taking a bigger responsibility decision making that they don't have the power to make now. I mean, if that doesn't follow the pro sport model and um you know the idea of us as an our own entity like owning things and getting away from the NCAA, I don't know what does. Like I mean, talking about making 
taking a big responsibility and making decisions that they don't know. I mean, that is what other decisions does a conference right. make that they, you know, that isn't NCAA related that they would maybe make a different decision, but they can't because of the NCAA. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, that seems like just a bunch of high level speak. If you were just trying to get somebody off of whatever topic that you were trying to get off of, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it was a nice blend though of him kind of keeping things close to the vest while at the same time saying that he's going to be fairly aggressive and kind of giving you not not too much um, as, as he's still not even accepted the position officially. Yeah, and I, I think I mean, some he's of accepted the, it, but not started it. Officially, right. Some of the questions he got were like, to me, like the old inside baseball, like, what are you going to do about the conference schedule? And they're and like, frankly, I don't care what he says about that. That's going to work itself out. Sure. And two, he hasn't even started like his, I don't want him wasting one second of his time on what the conference schedule might be. I mean, I want him solely focused on the conference composition Mm -hmm. and the TV deal. Like they'll figure out a damn schedule. It ain't hard. And I mean, you heard him talk about his schedule upcoming in the next 60 to 90 days where he's literally going to just be starting his relationships with all of the universities, making his rounds to each individual university, both old, I would think starting with the old and and then eventually getting to your Cincinnati, BYU. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, your current, well, as much as we want to talk about it, as much as we want to fast track it, like we're not, I guess we are technically, but we're not stakeholders currently. Correct, but as as he's trying to get a vision for what that looks like, sure, I, w- I would think that you would you'd probably still venture to them, at, but just at the end of all of this, w- yeah. once you once you've gotten a good feel for what your current ten schools are looking for. Yeah, I also thought the whole I, the the comments of there was discussion on the Texas and Oklahoma element, and he certainly didn't shoot down the idea of them working out a deal to let them leave early. Um, he said, you know, basically it has to, you know, it can be a win-win, but it also has to be, you know, in the best interest of the Big 12, which basically means you want to go in 2024, all right, how much do you want to pay? How important is it to you? Yeah, I thought that was, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I've seen people talking about, well, ESPN is going to help them get out of their contract. They can't. I mean, no, unless I mean, they're just pay, paying for it. I mean, but then who cares where the money comes from? Like, sure. I, and I, I don't see them. And, and it's not like ESPN is in a situation to just start burning money, like yeah, catching money on pay fire right $160 million just to get <laughs> Oklahoma and Texas into the SEC one year early. How many people yeah. has, how many people has ESPN laid off in the last three years? Right. So, that's but I just happening. thought it's kind of been the first time anyone's really commented on it from a standpoint of like, yeah, I'd be happy to have that conversation. You know, we can do a win-win. It doesn't need to be a, you know, holding them over the barrel type thing. Um, but he's saying, you know, but then he said like, it also needs to be the right move for the conference. So, you know, that means how important is it to you to get to the SEC in 2024 instead of 2025? And I think, I do think we'll eventually get there. Um, I think, I feel like every time something is in the works, possibly you have like other, like you have 
huge things that pop up that then gum up the process. Like, I just don't see why they wouldn't just pay the money, you know, work out a deal to pay the money to leave one year sooner. Honestly, what, what, what else was he supposed to say in that situation, though? Yeah. And I think it depends on, too, is if they get, say they get four of the Pac-12 schools, I think you're more willing to go ahead and let that happen a year earlier because then that allows you to open up your TV contract yeah. a, a year early and you can go ahead and, and negotiate that new deal. Knowing that these two are out, these four, you know, these four are in, this is, you know, this, this is, is who we are. are. Yeah. yeah. Did you see the comments from Gundy? What about like, ask them, they're the ones that are leaving or what, or about Bedlam or about what? No, so somebody asked him. I guess like Texas and Oklahoma are still in all the meetings, uh, and Gundy's like, they're they're leaving. Like, what 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 the hell? Why are we talking? Why why do they matter? Like, what what, what do we care? Like, they're out. Well, somebody asked him about um, like Bedlam. Bedlam, the future yeah. of Bedlam or something, and he was just like, I don't know. We're not the ones leaving. I love Gundy. So there's there's he's, only one or two more years left. This is this is their fault. Yeah, he's spectacularly weird. Yeah, but I mean, he your mark didn't say anything that is like holy shit. But I don't wasn't expecting him to. But um, still had to feel good though about the direction that the conversation went. Yeah, I mean, I I'm just more looking at it as like the the sponsorship and the branding arm because I think that's important. It's not you just can't look at this stuff anymore as just the games. And I know that's going to feel weird and look weird to a certain generation. And I'm probably part and parcel to some of that. We're like, I don't know what these things are that they might introduce, but I'm not the target. Right. Like you've already got me. I'm already going to all the games. I'm already going to watch Texas tech versus West Virginia on a Friday night on FS one, because I'm a fan of the league that my team is playing in. And so, but so you've got me, but like there is a whole subsection and a whole demographic that you're that is up for grabs, and I want to find it because Dan Dan Wetzel kind of um he he tweeted it and he was like, when future student athletes of this conference are thinking about where they want to go next as they are making those decisions on what schools to go to, I want our brand Big Twelve to be aspirational. And Dan was like, these are obviously just buzzwords and actually developing such a brand is a challenge, but it's rare that commissioners talk about being focused on recruiting or helping schools in recruiting, which is everything in college sports. Like, you know, telling the story, whether it's through social, like being more than just like, Hey, here's our game on ESPN. Like there needs, there has to be more activation, more, you know, more elements to being a conference than just like here, this is where all these teams that kind of like football get to hang out together. Well, and I think he kind of doubled down with that with his comments on the NIL and how he wanted to be as much to the forefront as he could be to try and help out the universities and, and the conference as a whole in kind of guiding their student athletes through NIL dealings and all of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's already been involved in it. Right, Your Rock Nation. So Just on the other side of it, right? Yeah. All right. I think that uh, it's a, a good 
look into uh, today's festivities. Thanks, Aaron. I was uh, being pressured by my 11-year-old to order dinner. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of something here. What is your 11-year-old, 67? She eats dinner at 545? Well, like if you order delivery, <laughs> or, you know, I'm not I'm obviously not able to cook. So that takes like an hour. So it'll be at 630. <laughs> she can order it. She, I'm sure she has your credit card number somewhere. No, she's she's got Kelly's. <laughs> she, she knows better. She 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 uh she lost that privilege when she was like four and charged a thousand dollars in uh the Apple scam. They're yeah. not really scam, just you know. Yeah, she was she was donating to content creators <laughs> uh without my knowledge, and I got a call from the credit card company like uh I, is this something you wanted no and you'll never get my credit card again kid you blew it yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, what what do we want to do now do we want to do we want to submit our uh un, unwanted entry to the American Athletic Conference media poll we can do that or we can kind of put a bow on uh, it's conference expansion, which I do have one thing that I wanted to okay. ask we'll you save, about. We'll it. save the best for last. We'll save the names out of a hat. I did want to ask you about because it is an interest. It's you know, I'm to the point now where unless there is actual news, I don't have any interest in talking about it. So this is like our last time talking about it until there's actual news, right? But I did want to ask you because Andy Staples from the Athletic, um, Dan Wetzel has written a piece on it. And him and Pat Forty have kind of talked about it on their Yahoo College Football Inquirer podcast. The discussion has been about, okay, if you go after these Pac-12 schools, say the six of them, we all know the names. Yeah. Do you or would you, if you were Brett Yormark, if you were John Cunningham, if you were anybody that makes gets to make a decision in the Big 12, would you leave an out – for say Oregon and Washington, or really all six of them. No. Would you leave an out that they could join the Big Ten if that invite ever came? Not scot free. I mean, there's obviously be some sort of a payment involved. But do no. you would you leave that out as a way to entice them, knowing that that is not something the Pac-12 can offer? And that if they're going to keep this Pac-12 together, they're going to have to sign a grant of rights. And those two schools, especially probably being like, well, we're not doing that. Because your thinking is, sure, maybe the Big Ten calls, but what if it doesn't? And now they're here for a while and we've just cashed in on this much, much bigger, conf this much, much bigger TV deal because we have those schools. Thank you, Keith. You're the best. And the answer is no. Okay, why? Because I don't... I don't like where you head if you start giving different sets of rules to different teams in the conference. I have seen that in the Big East. Maybe that is an extreme example of what you're talking about. But when you have different people with different agendas and different sets of rules, I think you're asking for trouble. So you'd I rather think. not have them at all. Yeah. Yep. 
and say have get ten million more dollars a year per school. Yep. Okay. Uh, I just, like like I mean, here here's here's the question, Dave. Like, we're not talking about bringing in USC and UCLA. Like, we're not talking about bringing in anybody that's going to take the Big Twelve evaluation and jump it twenty million dollars a school. Like, not twenty, but I think it would be fairly. You think once you spread out the payments, I don't think it changes much. I haven't seen an evaluation for any of those PAC 12 schools remaining that is substantially higher than what the big 12 is already looking at. Their valuation right now is roughly, I mean, we'll go off of what's being put out there. It's about $300 million a year. And when you divide that by six, Okay. You get about the same number that they're looking no, at. No, you're like, adding that onto what the Big 12 is already going to get. Okay, Dave, but the Big 12 is already going to get projected about $50 million per school by 2026 or 2027. Right. So if you add $300 million into that and then disperse that $50 million to those six schools, it's equal. If you were adding, my point being, if those six schools added $600 million, and you take the 300 million that they're going to get and then you have an extra 300 million to disperse to everyone that's then that's maybe. what it would be it would be extra money cuz they're not in your league but you have to give them their money right but they get still... the 300 million that they're going to bring in yes you see what I'm saying they're right. not bringing in an extra 300 million they are paying for themselves equal to what the conference is already valued at. I get the strength in that and the strength in um, killing the Pac-12 for one. There's That's the other point is what's, where's your, how but much more money, how much more money do you get from say Fox? Because somebody still wants the West Coast. Fox has already said they're out on the Pac-12. No, but I'm saying somebody, already, somebody still wants the West Coast t- time slot. Like that time slot is not just going away. I mean, if you're the Big 12, you're in the central time zone, and now you're in the mountain time zone. Like, you could provide that content. also in the east time zone. You could have a game from noon to midnight every Saturday. You could do that with the mountain time zone. I mean, if one, if you have BYU is the only one. Or you could say, you know, uh, a team in Texas kicks off at 8 o'clock on Saturday night, which is, you know, 9 o'clock, and and that game is rolling until midnight. 1230. I'm not saying I would do it. I just think it's an interesting I just idea. don't like the, I, I don't like the idea because of, I don't think one group of schools having something because then everybody's gonna want it. Then everybody's gonna want everybody it. can have it, but you you're not everybody's not gonna get asked to go to the Big Ten. So who I don't so think it doesn't any of those schools are gonna get asked to go to the Big Ten either. That's the whole point. They're probably not. So wouldn't you just rather have them then? Yeah. yeah. That's my whole that is my whole point. I mean, if you have is, them great, if they don't have them, I, I'm not gonna be upset if Cincinnati doesn't get to play Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah. I'm I'm not either, Washington. but like if your goal is to be the the third conference, which you're not no one's catching the SEC in the in the Big yeah. Ten. So if your goal is to be the third conference and make as much money as you can. 
like it really only applies to Oregon and Washington. Like the Big Ten's not taking Texas, you know, Arizona, right. Arizona State. Right. But it's like, what are the chances they don't take them ever? And now they're in your conference and you're making $60 million at the front end instead of, instead of 47 or something. Okay. I mean, like it, it doesn't, it's, it's it going to matter when the big Ten's making 117 in 2029. Sure. But you're never going to get close to that. No, but just why not try to get as close as you can? I guess. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't like. One it probably wouldn't happen because conference. it probably wouldn't happen because people would be like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to play by different rules, but I just look at it as like, I just think like, that's how you get instability in your conference. If these schools have this and these schools don't, now, like, I, I just think it's like now this this group has a voting block that's different from over here, and now these people don't like that. You're already flirting with that. Like, if you get any of the, the West Coast schools and you try to get them to align with Texas schools or, you know, the West and the Southwest are not – Right. They generally are uh, – they don't mix, like, Kool-Aid and water. I just look, I look at it as like, they don't have a lot of options. And so if they, if they came, it wouldn't be like in a year or two, some new option would pop up where they'd be like, oh yeah, we're, I know you said we could leave for the only leave for the big 10, but we're going to go over here. Like it's not, it's either, it's one or the other. So they're either in the conference for, I won't say eternity. That's a long time. Or they get invited. And it doesn't sound like that they would get it as of now. You know, the tea leaves make it sound like the Big Ten is very happy with what they did. And if they wanted to do more, I'm sure they could have. And they've chosen not to because they're waiting on Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I get it. I just, it doesn't... Uh... Oh, I, it's, a, it's just a, a topic that I'm like, why is this all of a sudden a topic if like somebody's not talking about like kind of talking about it behind the scenes maybe yeah i know what you're yeah, saying it's it's a, it was a weird thing to sprout up in a couple different areas to just be like oh here's an idea that i totally came up with on my own from pac-12 leadership <laughs> from, how, from, how about how about they some do of this? these people in the pac-12 yeah I and mean, i just think that there's the um the Pac-12 is in a world of hurt. I mean, I sent a very jokingly tweet the other night about how the one one of the guys in in Cal in uh, the covers the conference four days ago talked about how the Pac-12, you know, ACC Alliance 2.0, whatever you want to call it, you know, sounding better better by the day, and then whatever it was last night or the night before he tweeted about how, you know, the, some, a new harebrained idea about the big 12 and pac 12. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a second. Like, you know, what's, what's the headline going to be on Thursday? Like, and pac 12 NFC joined forces. No, seriously. Like it just seems like they are. It's, it kind of goes back to what I 
said from the very beginning, when you know that two of the schools that who are now the two, you know, from a football standpoint, the two tent poles in your conference are looking for a way to go somewhere else, how can you possibly tie yourself to that and have any confidence that it's going to be successful? And, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, the thing I think if you if you give people outs, people are always going to have a wondering eye. But the that, Big Twelve doesn't go away if if they have 18 teams and then Oklahoma or then Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. I'm not saying it'll go away, but I'm saying you're going to be all. You would always deal like Robert suggested. What you suggested? Yeah. Give the whole conference an out. If you do that, they're always going to have an eye on what well, we got That's now. Great. I I have an eye on a lot of things. That doesn't mean I'm ever going to get it. Yeah, but you think about if your wife was like, Dave, you can sleep with whoever you want to, and it won't in, in, impact our relationship. Every girl that walked by, you'd be like, maybe, maybe. Nah, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe. I, don't look, I don't look at it the same way. It has to also be reciprocated. Sure, but <laughs> if you're always looking, you're going to eventually find something that you're looking for. Not in this – what could well, they possibly find? 2036, 2036, the AAC, the ACC okay. comes up. 14 years from now, I'll take my chances. That they're in the league for 14 years and that it's not financially beneficial to UC and the rest of the Big 12 that over those 14 years, if they then want to go and have a Miami-Florida to, to – Seattle, Washington trip, I'd be fine with it. Them in the league, like, we have to get out of this thought process that leagues are these things for 100 years. And UC fans know this better than anybody. I think that's a hard thing for all these other schools to realize because they've been in the same league forever. Like, UC's been in more leagues than I think anybody over the last, you know, 25, 30 years. If If Oregon and Washington are in the Big 12, for 14 more years and then they want then something weird happens and they go i'm totally cool with that because they've provided their worth from a financial standpoint and a competitive standpoint to make it worth our while for that to happen yeah i mean you make some good points i i just i i don't like the idea of of teams in a conference playing by a different set of rules than the other i don't teams. like it on its face but i'm looking at it as like what are your other options you tell them just come on let's go no no i'm saying what are their other options like it's not like that's what i meant like it's not like they come and then a year later they're like oh this this new thing is was way better like they're not getting invited to the sec ever if the valuation is there they would the valuation is what it is like it would they already would have been invited if it was that great, right? So I'm saying it's not there. So if it was that great, if it's that great, then if it's not that great, then why do you have to have them? It's not that great to the two pro, the two leagues that are making a hundred million dollars a year. It's definitely okay for the league that's trying to be third. I, I think I don't know that it changes enough for me to give them. I just think treatment. it ends in if we're going to this. Super conference, or I think now maybe more of like a four, 16 team type deal. It totally wipes out one 
and it puts you significantly higher than the other, who in 14 years we know has teams that are going to be trying to get out of that conference. Right. To try to convince the SEC or the Big Ten to go bigger than 16. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I just, but again, I don't know. The question, how... To the question you asked me, no, I personally would not give them a special set of rules that they get to play by that nobody else gets to play by. I also would want to know what are these four worth, and then what are these six worth? Because if it's right, I can get these four, and I don't have to give you know I don't have to put this out clause in it or whatever, or and it's worth. X or these two will come along and they're worth X more and I have to give them an out clause. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe that's the determining factor. Like they only bring this much, then it's not worth it. If they bring, you know, if it's determined that they would bring this much, it is worth it. Um, But I think we're going to, it's going to be pretty quiet for the foreseeable future. Um, I I don't, you know, maybe, you know, foreseeable month or two, maybe. Um, but I don't, I think everybody got this like impression that it was going to be well, like, it was because of the tweets that happened, like the night that USC and UCLA left, right? Big 10's like, not done, it's Big like Ten's not done. Instant reaction that because as much as we don't understand it, or maybe we do, but we just don't care, we don't want it to happen. Like, I'm sure those Pac 10s, Pac 12 schools want to stick together. Like they don't want to Break have to join yeah. a new conference, right? <clears throat> but if the money tells them that, like, dude, it's just not like if, if you're Stanford and that's the thing, if you're Stanford, if you're Oregon and Washington, and it comes back that like you're gonna get like thirty million bucks, not only are you taking a hit from your previous contract, the gap is now that much bigger to what you perceive as your competition. Right. And we laugh about it. We're like, we've been to the playoff making 7 million bucks a year. Like, <laughs> right. how are you assholes wasting so much money? That's the part <laughs> that cracks me up is like, the Big Ten and SEC are going to sign these new deals and these schools are going to get $100 million a year. And somebody's still going 2-10 and 10 and firing their coach after two years. Like, what are you, like, what are you guys doing? Right. But I mean, that's that's where it becomes a problem. Is we're making less, and now the the gap is even wider. Where maybe in Oregon and Washington go like, yeah, this isn't our top choice, but this this ship over here is is dying, is is, right. is sinking. I feel you. I just I I don't I don't like the, the and I I know a lot of it is just like residual from watching the reason the big East fell apart was because one side had a different set of rules than the other side. And neither side trusted each other. I think that too, though, was a lot more of one side just viewed this, the, they just had totally different mindsets of operating being basketball only. And then football, basketball, small, private, Catholic, Jesuit, type schools versus you know major metropolitan type universities like i think that drove it more so than just like 
you know, different sets of, of rules. I think they just well, they just diamet- had different. They were just diametrically different. different. Like yeah. football, football and basketball for a long time kind of kept on a very similar plane of importance and relevance, and then all of a sudden, football just shot up, and so much money was was being provided to football where the small basketball schools were like, this just isn't what we are anymore. Fair to an extent. I just, I. I don't don't think it's going to happen. I just think it's an interesting thing that's being, being bandied about. Yeah. And you know, I I don't know that there's a right or a wrong answer, but like you asked me my opinion on it. I just, it would be very interesting like case study to see like if they did it, like how many years in the, you know, how many years does the value? How many years in the conference does it make it worthwhile? Right. And then if once you've hit a certain point, you're like, I don't care if they leave or not. They've already brought they've they've brought the value that we wanted them to bring. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's catch everybody up to to this situation. Uh, last year, and there's your timestamp. I, I did want to shout out my guys with this timestamp. 513 shirts. Got the BCJ polo. Got the new hat. I, I had to I had to get a couple more hats because my hats were getting a little raggedy. As you can see, I'm I'm a little rough on the hats. That's that's what Chad having a hat for a year looks like. That's the difference. So make sure you get the 513 shirts. You can get the, the quarter zip. We got the polos. We got the hats and all kinds of good stuff. We got um Koozies, BCJ koozies. You know you want you one of those. Keep your your beverage nice and cold at uh, tailgates. For sure. So yeah, I just wanted to throw them in there. A little free spot since I I got my hats restocked, black and red, uh, from our guys at Five One Three Shirts. Okay, so a year ago around this time, for the first time. We were invited to be a part of the American Athletic Conference uh, preseason media poll that ranks the teams uh, in order where we think they will finish. And, you know, we don't do anything normal here. So we thought it would be fun to rank the teams that we felt comfortable knowing where they would finish. And then we felt there was a group of teams that were all pretty tightly bunched uh, that weren't really discernible in terms of who was going to finish where. So we put the names in the hat. We drew the names out of the hat. And that was the poll that we sent in. I do do want to point out, we did get the conference championship correct. We did. I was bullish on Houston when not many people were. You were. I've really had a good run of it lately since I said that the Faircats were going to go 12-0 and and they went 6-6. Six and six. Since yeah. that point, I'm not keeping track, but I, I think I've done pretty darn good. You've been on a much better streak uh, since then. It must have been we lost pill- a little faith in you. It must have been the we pills lost- talking. We lost a little faith in you uh, with the 12-0 turned 6-6 six and six performance. Um. So let's let let's well and anyhow. So what happened was, what had happened was, uh, Dave was listening to Mo Egger with Tony Pike, and Mo talked about 
the deadline for turning his uh well I, th- I think it was last week and he they were talking bearcats and something and he said i i turned in my um my preseason poll yesterday and i was like well guess that means we were one and done <laughs> yeah i went back and i looked and i searched and uh i made sure cuz i you know vacation and uh going on the road for AAU like there's been a lot going on to where it could have slipped through the cracks and accidentally got moved into the trash file or it was in my uh promotional file uh that comes through that sometimes the AAC and Big 12 stuff goes in there I went back and looked uh sometimes I figured like sometimes if I just see Chuck Sullivan uh in the email like who sent it I just automatically send it to trash I don't care anymore. Uh, but I scrolled back through, and Dave, we uh, we we definitely were not invited back this year, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I think. I mean, if you take your damn preseason poll that seriously, then a couple guys just having fun with who's ranked four through nine right. is that is that important to you? Then I don't I don't want to be a part of it. Right, I, I didn't want to be a part of it to begin with. That's kind of why we mocked it like as we did, because I don't care. I didn't want to be a part of it uh, as it were. Hi. What's, what's Will doing? What's up, He just Will? got home from school. Hi, Will. Chad says hi. All right. We got we to gotta get this moving now. I, I can see Rachel's like, all right, let's go, Dave. <laughs> um, so the way we did it last time is we had a couple teams at the top and a couple teams at the bottom that we were comfortable with. Then we put the rest of the names in a hat and we drew out the prediction of finish for the rest of them. Uh, I think we both agree Cincinnati and Houston are going to be really good again. Yeah, I, I would have UC. I would have, what? I would have Houston one, UC two. I would have right UC now. one, Houston two. Only reason I say that is looking at it from the start, Houston's got the experience of quarterback. Cincinnati is still figuring out who their quarterback is going to be. Um, for me, that gives Houston a slight edge in what I think is otherwise a pretty tight uh, race between the two. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone should like be angry if UC is not one. I'll be interested to see, like, just does recent success outweigh um, roster replacements when it comes to the vo- the voting and how, how all that goes. But uh, UC Houston, Houston, UC, and then I, I think UCF is is pretty comfortably in the third spot. I would agree with that. So that means or that... They, at then, least they should be. They should be. And then I think we have Navy and Temple in the back two spots in some order. I don't really care. They both stink. Yeah, um, I'll go Navy ahead of Temple because Navy, it, it seems like, always finds a way to, like, you know, be a problem for a couple teams yeah, and get I think wins. They were, I think, what, they were 2-10. and ten. Temple might have been 2-10. and ten. I don't know and don't care. Right. So that means that we have a group of six, Tulane, Tulsa, Memphis, ECU, USF, and SMU that we are going to put in a hat and rank four through whatever that is, nine. I've already ri- written these down on paper, so I hope you're not doing that now. I've already done it. No, I'm I'm 
I'm documenting. Okay, so let's see. Number four is SMU. Interesting. Sonny Dykes is gone. Maybe they're a little. Maybe they they develop a little toughness in that program. Maybe, maybe they, they find a little nasty to them. Got a, um, a good quarterback they, returning. They've got a wide receiver returning. I think their losses at receiver are going to be pretty big. Um, talent wise, they're probably the fourth best team. Um, yeah, I'm, I would I'd say that's fair. So then let's see here. After SMU, we have. The two-lane green wave. Is this the year? No, because they're replacing their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. Their quarterback's good. Their running back is coming back from, I think he was the majority of the year, the whole year. But I, I'm just, I'm, I don't, I don't live, I don't live in the Willie Fritz uh, hype train that so many keep alive from his time in the FCS level and they're, they're, they're whatever. They're six and six, maybe like. I guess the question with them is number three was UCF. Mm -hmm. Um, CFU, sorry, CFU. Um, I guess the question there is like a lot of times what will happen is the team that everybody is like predicting to do great right or predicting to be like a breakout it won't happen it won't happen and then everybody will jump off that bandwagon and then that's when they have the breakout i mean the league is not that good like it should have happened by now if it was going to happen that's fair. and they like their record is it, it's not like they've been like 8 and 4 no. and like knocking on the door no all right so to recap cincinnati houston ucf SMU, Tulane. Next, Memphis. Um, I feel like I don't know crap about Memphis because they like we haven't seen them since we the haven't title played game. them, and I I just don't get the sense that it's it's the the whole continuation of Fuente to um what's the guy's name that's at Florida State now. Oh, Cristobal? No, Florida State. He's uh, or uh, Norvell. Yeah, Norvell. I just Norvell. feel like there's been a drop in like everything that they're doing. Um, so I mean, they played. They played Houston tough, didn't they? Last year. I don't think. I don't know. Okay. I I, don't, I mean, I guess this is probably where. I mean, it's probably where I'd have them if I was doing this realistically, something along those lines. Um, but I wouldn't, I, yeah, I, honestly, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they finished in the back half. Like, I'm, I'm sneaky, sneaky bullish on a couple teams that have not been picked yet. Sneaky bullish. Sneaky bullish. Uh, no, they lost 31-13 to Houston last year. Oh, well. So next is... And they lost to East Carolina, and they lost to UCF, <laughs> and they lost to Tulsa, and they lost to Temple, <laughs> and they lost to uh, nuts, uh, UTSA. Sorry. Yeah. You know what you can't spell without UTSA? What's that? Nutsack. Oh, you can't. 
Next up is USF. And they are one that I... I like their young quarterback. Well, he's not going to be their quarterback. Hate to break it to you. Oh, really? No, they got the Baylor transfer, Gary Bohan. I I like the young quarterback. I like the freshman kid. I thought he was really good. (laughs) But they've got, I mean, they've got some interesting pieces. They have a nice, real nice running back. They gave, you know, offensively, they gave UC a little bit of, you know, at times. Yeah. Did some stuff. And it's just their roster was in such bad shape when Jeff Scott took over that I think he's still digging out of it. But I'm not sure where they'll be defensively, but I like a lot of their offensive pieces. And, you know, they're good. They've, they've upped their athlete quotient quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've got more dudes now that can compete on the, the AAC level. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me if they – if they pulled a couple a couple surprises and maybe finished more mid pack than than backpack. Okay. Tulsa is next. Man, they relied so much on that offensive line, and that thing's gonna be like completely redone, right? Yeah, I mean they had at least two guys I want I know that direct got drafted. Um, you know, they've got a couple, you know, and they're just such a, their best defensive player transferred to Baylor. Jackson player. UC wanted to, wanted in on that one bad. Oh, I'm sure. I think I'm pretty sure a lot of people wanted in on that. He just moved, he moved home. He's probably, Um, right. I, I don't know, but I don't know. They're, Philip Montgomery somehow saved his job the year they went, the COVID year when they went to the conference championship. Then they you know, backed up again last year to like four and eight or something. I just think it's a it's a rough job. They don't have a bunch of money. It's like the smallest enrollment in all of FBS. You know, it's you almost get in the. Yeah, we can fire him, but like, who's taking the job? <laughs> right. What's the What's the answer? Like, you so, you can create the problem, but what's the answer to the? How do you fix it? How do you solve it? Yeah. So that's kind of where that sits with them, and then ECU would be next. I think this is too low. If it was me, Holt Naylor's back again. <laughs> How? Dude, it's the same thing people probably said about Dez. I know. It just feel like it feels like he got here when Tuberville like was <laughs> like in the middle of his tenure. Feels yeah. like Tuberville played Holt Nailers three times. Yeah, but you know, solid couple of pretty nice running backs. Their defense again, like gave you see a couple fits at, at times in last year's game. Um, I think they're, you know, I would have, again, more towards the middle front than the back end. But again, all these teams to me are like, can you trust any of these teams to go on the road and win a game in conference? No. Can you trust any of these teams to go to UCF, Houston, Cincinnati and win a game? Outside of going to Navy or Temple. Like, right. If ECU no. goes to UCF or Tulsa goes to Memphis or like 
who's who's winning the road game? Right. So I don't know how you pick between all those teams. And you could do this probably with with any conference, but I just don't. For the most part, yeah, like four through nine is going to be. I just don't care enough about a, a poll in July to. to well, give yeah, it that a was the whole joke because we don't care enough about to, to like sit down and really like. Oh, this right, team who added this, coming this back. And yeah, who's who's the transfer? Oh, they, they got they got, they new, got a new, new strength and conditioning coach, so that's yeah, probably going to help them a lot. Shit. I'm not doing that. For these teams, maybe in the Big Twelve we will. Yeah, when the Big Twelve will have content creators that will actually be available to come on these shows with us and discuss. Right, that'll be nice too. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of not a lot of competent content creators in the. <laughs> oh, yeah, so not a, not a lot of these people are these teams aren't drawing a ton of ton of eyeballs. So when you see the the AAC media poll, is it next week, Dave? I don't even know when. No, their their media days are until the twenty eighth. Okay, well, in two weeks, two weeks from tomorrow, and I'm sure I'm guessing they're all on Zoom again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, what the BCJ poll would have looked like. We would have had to have fought it out for UC Houston, and I probably would have just acquiesced and made UC one. Uh, because, like I said the other day, like okay, so preseason, I'm thinking Houston, I'll give the nod to, right? But if they were to play in the American Athletic Conference Championship game, Cincinnati's quarterback now would have a full season of experience, and that changes the equation sure. because then the equation becomes: Do you trust Luke Fickle or Dana Holgerson? And that's an easy answer. Yeah. So UC Houston, UCF, SMU, Tulane, Memphis, USF, Tulsa, ECU. I agree, ECU. I'd probably switch with probably Tulane. I don't know if I'd move them up that high, but uh, I'm not even looking at it anymore. That would be five. So, yeah, sure, whatever. And then Navy and Temple, 10 and 11. That's what the the BCJ media poll would look like if we were invited to do the media poll for a second season, but we weren't. Kind of on the same, yeah, similar topic, talking AAC. I was at fan council last night, and I know I've signed my life away, but I don't think this counts. Um, We were talking about road games in the Big 12 and ticket allotments and things of that nature. Are we talking about road games this year? People were asking like when they were going to know about their tickets and and whatnot. We were right. just talking tickets in general, and it was brought to our attention that the American Athletic Conference you you hold tickets for the visitor. You're, you're required to basically give them a certain amount, and then they can return what they do not sell, use, whatever. Right. Closer to the game, and then you can do with those what you please. Uh, we found out that the American Athletic Conference has. You hold 3,500 tickets for the road team, which is going to be more than the Big 12 has you hold, which I laughed out loud and said, wait a minute, you're honestly telling us that like you have to hold 3,500 tickets when for Tulane and Tulsa <laughs> when they visit here? Right. Like, I was like, they don't get 3,500 people at their own game. 
Has there ever been an AAC team that brought 3,500 people to a game? Chad, I think you could add up all the people that they bring every year, and it doesn't equal 3,500. Right. Like, I, I think you could probably – I think that's fair. I think because what? Generally four – well, yeah, four road games a year because it was an eight-game schedule. So yeah. four divided by 3,500, just, just under 1,000 per school. I can't remember a school that brought like 1,000 people to one of those games. No. Maybe if you include like uh, the band, somebody brought their band with them. <laughs> it's like 200. I still don't think there was 700. No. Dumb. It's just, it just made me laugh. I'm like, I can't wait. Who comes up with that number from this league? Mouse operation. And then, and then you're making the home team like scramble to sell. Right. You could have sold those as part of a season ticket package. And now you're having to hold them and sell them last minute as a single game ticket. Stupid. All right. Well, I guess that. About wraps things up. I don't have anything else to you. Uh, do, do we do we have any crouton you want to talk about? Uh, I we'll find out Friday, I guess. Okay. I, I, I he hasn't made it public when he's announcing, so I I've heard rumblings about Malik Elzey on his birthday on Friday. Uh, he has not made that uh, known or public, so I, I I'm guessing that's when it's going to happen uh but that's subject to change i suppose uh anthony brown they're they're still fighting it out but i don't feel as good as i did a couple days ago about it no comment markets change markets change sometimes I'm, I'm no comment. I'm not even going to make a smart-ass comment. I'm just going <laughs> to let it die on the vine. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> don't, don't, go, don't literally go dying. It's got me choked up. Oh, man, I know. It's tough, tough if they're going to, you know, if they lose a, you know, slot receiver. Could have lots of people choked up. Right. Um, but no, that's. It's about it. Jalen Thompson named a top five. Cincinnati was in it. Uh, we'll, we'll see where that one goes. I think uh, he, I think there was something about him possibly visiting Ohio State again whenever you're allowed to in the next month. End or so. of the month, yeah, end of the month. There was a while we were talking to Wes, a 2023 wing, uh, top 60 player in the country was offered. Do you, have you? Did you see it was it Akil Watson? Yeah, I. Uh, Did you see him on will, your travels this past week? No, he's a Nike kid, so I would see him uh, next week in the, at the Peach Jam. Oof. Uh, so yeah, I'll have I'll have more on that hopefully uh, when when I get down to Augusta. If and I think there's a, a 2024 athlete out of Georgia, Martavius Collins. Six something, six four, two forty, mid to high four star that put out his top, whatever. It was you seeing everybody else in the SEC and you know. AC, yeah, all so. the usual suspects. Yes, 
just you know the 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 recruiting weight class that Cincinnati's been recruiting in for a long time. Right. <laughs> yeah, Georgia, Alabama, Miami, Florida. Yeah. Yeah, you see. Right. So that's you know that's, that's what we do around here. So that's uh, that's about it for recruiting. I don't have a whole lot. Yeah. Things things will hopefully. It's it's crazy though. Like if you get LZ, uh, you're at what twenty two. 21 i think 21 or 22 I just, did a, I just did a class calculator and that's the funny part about like they went off to this like huge jump and now tons and tons of schools yeah. have just gotten more and more commits like getting a four-star top 300 player would only move them from 15th to 14th right but that also shows you how good like their beginning part of their class was right but then also shows you like that there still is like a huge gap to where, you know, you get a really, really good player, like maybe the highest ranked player in your whole class and it only bumps you up one spot. Yeah. That's uh that's that's what happens when you when you get up closer to you know, the top fifteen, top twenty is it, it moving up is uh it's a challenge once you start yeah. getting you, you need some some big time rated yeah. players. Some top 100 dudes. Yeah. Top 50 dudes. Um, working my whole drive from Fairfield to Southgate of Breeze. Like, hey, we I like doing the afternoon shows. Dave has a job. So I know it's it's not a common thing. Dave has a job and a toddler. Yeah. Like middle of the day is not great timing for Dave. No. Based on like how the viewership goes for these things. I would do everything in the middle of the afternoon. I feel like for the same reason that it, it doesn't work for me, it probably doesn't work for others. They're coming home from, you know, the nighttime yeah. stuff. They're come, they're coming home. They're doing family stuff. I'm doing these after family stuff and after Will goes to bed. Whereas yeah. if we're able to do them more in the afternoon, like with so many people working from home or commuting, like you just throw that on while you're doing one of those things and, it, you know, you're able yeah. to carve that out while not, you know, neglecting something else at a different point in time. I, I love it too. Like I, it would, it would be my preference, but we, we got to, you know, jobs and these guys got jobs <laughs> and families and nobody wants to just see, see me sitting here in my room talking to the screen. <laughs> nobody wants that. And nobody wants to hear me and Aaron constantly. Like they already get that enough with the nightcap, and the, and the BBP. Yeah, well, we get Brent mixed in there. Right, right, for sure. But like, you're also like part of that as well on a on a smaller scale. But you know, right. We don't want to oversaturate the market with with Chad. Uh, Wes didn't yell at me. Like he likes to. He's not as good at giving me shit as Fick is. It's just the reality of it. Like. But I, I I I come back at both of them. Well, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not standing down. I don't. They don't pay my paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but coming me, that's fine. Yeah, but if you piss them off too much, then you don't have any info for the people that do pay. Well, I don't come out of that hard. It's, it's easy, easy, Dave. <laughs> All right, but again, huge thanks to Wes for coming on. That was awesome. Got him for almost an hour, and uh, you should be caught up. 
if you have any questions about where yeah, you're no, no, the basketball board, every come every thread, every comment should just be a direct link. Like to go this watch podcast. go watch the hour. Go watch go watch Wes and you'll get your answers. He's gonna send it out when people can I get a roster rundown? I hope so. Maybe that'll drive some traffic for us. Maybe the you know. <laughs> All right, that's gonna wrap it up. Thanks to Aaron Smith, the best producer in the city. But thanks to Dave Simone. And thanks to Wes Miller. I can't, I can't get like a best co-host in the city. No, you're uh, uh, conference realignment expert, Dave it's, Simone. It's, it's true, I am. So, I mean, you know, I don't want to give you too many titles. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> one at a time. Once well, conference realignment dies down, we'll we'll move I mean, that title. Can, can one man carry title. on his shoulders the the weight of being conference realignment expert and best and co- best coast host in the city? I don't know. I mean, they're pretty broad, but I'm not sure they're that broad. Well, I mean, who's who are the other co-hosts in the city? I don't know. Jay, Eddie, and Tracy. Eddie and Rocky. Rocky, yeah. Nobody really has a, a. They're like the only like true. But I mean, like, there, there's got to be some podcasts with co-hosts in the city. Oh, I don't know. Sure, Paul, well, yeah. Paul and Jay, Paul and Jay. Yeah, that podcast yeah. growling. Mm-hmm. Always, always on my list. Every, every, every day it's updated. Nick Kirby likes Xavier, so I take you over him. He's a Reds uh, guy. I don't know who that person is. He's a Reds guy. He's a big Xavier guy too. So probably I'll take you. I'll take you over him every day of the week. <laughs> we were arguing last night during the PTP. Me and Nick Kirby, a little bit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Jeff and Stephen for locked on Reds. Jeff F F F. There's like you don't have enough Fs in there for Jeff. Jeff F F F Car. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fine. You're the you're the best co-host in the city, Dave. I've made it. And now we hurt Brent's feelings. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> here, here comes a 750 word article defending, you know. Oh, that's great. All right, let's get out of here. Let's He's go. Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Aaron Smith. Thanks to Wes Miller. We'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.